0: Section 23 of the Essays of Samuel Johnson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Section 23 The Learned Seldom Despised But When They Deserve Contempt. The Rambler, Tuesday, December 11th. 1750 astignum aeterno nitidum, quad fulgeat oro si et laudare deum qui sordida monstra tratulit et liquidam te crimine wocum prudentius a golden statue such a wit might claim had god and virtue raised the noble flame but ah how lewd a subject has he sung what vile obscenity profanes his tongue. F. Lewis. Among those whose hopes of distinction or riches arise from an opinion of their intellectual attainments, it has been from age to age an established custom to complain of the ingratitude of mankind to their instructors and the discouragement which men of genius and study suffer from avarice and ignorance, from the prevalence of false taste and the encroachment of barbarity. Men are most powerfully affected by those evils which themselves feel, or which appear before their own eyes, and as there never has been a time of such general felicity, but that many have failed to obtain the rewards to which they had in their own judgment a just claim, some offended writer has always declaimed in the rage of disappointment against his age or nation. Nor is there one who has not fallen upon times more unfavorable to learning than any former century, or who does not wish that he had been reserved in the insensibility of non-existence to some happier hour, when literary merit shall no longer be despised, and the gifts and caresses of mankind shall recompense the toils of study, and add luster to the charms of wit. Many of these clamors are undoubtedly to be considered only as the bursts of pride, never to be satisfied, as the prattle of affectation mimicking distresses unfelt, or as the commonplaces of vanity solicitous for splendor of sentences and acuteness of remark. Yet it cannot be denied that frequent discontent must proceed from frequent hardships, and though it is evident that not more than one age or people can deserve the censure of being more averse from learning than any other, yet at all times knowledge must have encountered impediments and wit been mortified with contempt or harassed with persecution. It is not necessary, however, to join immediately in the outcry or to condemn mankind as pleased with ignorance, or always envious of superior abilities. The miseries of the learned have been related by themselves, and since they have not been found exempt from that partiality with which men look upon their own actions and sufferings, we may conclude that they have not forgotten to deck their cause with the brightest ornaments and strongest colors. The logician, Collected all his subtleties when they were to be employed in his own defence, and the master of rhetoric exerting against his adversary all the arts by which hatred is embittered and indignation inflamed. To believe no man in his own cause is the standing and perpetual rule of distributive justice. Since, therefore, in the controversy between the learned and their enemies, we have only the pleas of one party of the party more able to delude our understanding and engage our passions, we must determine our opinion by facts uncontested and evidences on each side allowed to be genuine. By this procedure, I know not whether the students will find their cause promoted or their compassion, which they expect much increased. Let their conduct be impartially surveyed, LET THEM BE ALLOWED NO LONGER TO DIRECT ATTENTION AT THEIR PLEASURE BY EXPATIATING ON THEIR OWN DESERTS. LET NEITHER THE DIGNITY OF KNOWLEDGE overawe THE JUDGMENT, NOR THE GRACES OF elegance SEDUCE IT. IT WILL THEN PERHAPS BE FOUND THAT THEY ARE NOT ABLE TO PRODUCE CLAIMS TO KINDER TREATMENT, BUT PROVOKED THE CALAMITIES WHICH THEY SUFFERED, AND SELDOM WANTED FRIENDS, BUT WHEN THEY WANTED VIRTUE. That few men celebrated for theoretic wisdom live with conformity to their precepts must be readily confessed, and we cannot wonder that the indignation of mankind rises with great vehemence against those who neglect the duties which they appear to know with so strong conviction the necessity of performing. Yet since no man has power of acting equal to that of thinking, whether the speculatist, may not sometimes incur censures too severe, and by those who form ideas of his life from their knowledge of his books, be considered as worse than others only because he was expected to be better. He, by whose writings the heart is rectified, the appetites counteracted, and the passions repressed, may be considered as not unprofitable to the great republic of humanity, even though his behavior should not always exemplify his rules. His instructions may diffuse their influence to regions in which it will not be inquired, whether the author be albus an ater, good or bad, two times when all his faults and all his folly shall be lost in forgetfulness, among things of no concern or importance to the world. AND HE MAY KINDLE IN THOUSANDS AND TEN THOUSANDS THAT FLAME WHICH BURNT BUT dimly IN HIMSELF THROUGH THE FUMES OF PASSION OR THE DAMPS OF COWARDICE. THE VICIOUS MORALIST MAY BE CONSIDERED AS A TAPER BY WHICH WE ARE LIGHTED THROUGH THE LABYRINTH OF COMPLICATED PASSIONS. HE EXTENDS HIS RADIANCE FURTHER THAN HIS HEAT, AND GUIDES ALL THAT ARE WITHIN VIEW, BUT BURNS ONLY THOSE WHO MAKE TOO NEAR APPROACHES yet since good or harm must be received for the most part from those to whom we are familiarly known he whose vices overpower his virtues in the compass to which his vices can extend has no reason to complain that he meets not with affection or veneration when those with whom he passes his life are more corrupted by his practice than enlightened by his ideas Admiration begins where acquaintance ceases, and his favorers are distant but his enemies at hand. Yet many have dared to boast of neglected merit, and to challenge their age for a cruelty and folly, of whom it cannot be alleged that they have endeavored to increase the wisdom or virtue of their readers. They have been at once profligate in their lives, and licentious in their compositions, have not only forsaken the paths of virtue, but attempted to lure others after them. They have smoothed the road of perdition, covered with flowers the thorns of guilt, and taught temptation sweeter notes, softer blandishments, and stronger allurements. It has been apparently the settled purpose of some writers whose powers and acquisitions place them high in the rank of literature, to set fashion on the side of wickedness, to recommend debauchery and lewdness by associating them with qualities most likely to dazzle the discernment and attract the affections, and to show innocence and goodness with such attendant weaknesses as necessarily expose them to contempt and derision. Such naturally found intimates among the corrupt, the thoughtless and the intemperate, passed their lives amidst the levities of sportive idleness or the warm professions of drunken friendship, and fed their hopes with the promises of wretches whom their precepts had taught to scoff at truth. But when fools had laughed away their sprightliness and the languors of excess could no longer be relieved, they saw their protectors hourly drop away and wondered and stormed to find themselves abandoned. Whether their companions persisted in wickedness or returned to virtue, they were left equally without assistance. For debauchery is selfish and negligent, and from virtue the virtuous only can expect regard. It is said by Floris of Catiline, who died in the midst of slaughtered enemies, that his death had been illustrious, had it been suffered for his country. Of the wits who have languished away life, under the pressures of poverty, or in the restlessness of suspense, caressed and rejected, flattered and despised, as they were of more or less use to those who styled themselves their patrons, it might well be observed that their miseries would enforce compassion, had they been brought upon them by honesty and religion. The wickedness of a loose or profane author is more atrocious than that of the giddy libertine, or drunken ravisher, not only because it extends its effects wider, as a pestilence that taints the air is more destructive than poison infused in a draught, but because it is committed with cool deliberation. By the instantaneous violence of desire, a good man may sometimes be surprised before reflection can come to his rescue. When the appetites have strengthened their influence by habit, they are not easily resisted or suppressed. But for the frigid villainy of studious lewdness, for the calm malignity of labored impiety, what apology can be invented? What punishment can be adequate to the crime of him who retires to solitudes for the refinement of debauchery, who tortures his fancy and ransacks his memory, only that he may leave the world less virtuous than he found it? That he may intercept the hopes of the rising generation and spread snares for the soul with more dexterity what were their motives or what their excuses is below the dignity of reason to examine if having extinguished in themselves the distinction of right and wrong they were insensible of the mischief which they promoted they deserved to be hunted down by the general compact as no longer partaking of social nature. If, influenced by the corruption of patrons or readers, they sacrificed their own convictions to vanity or interest, they were to be abhorred with more acrimony than he that murders for pay, since they committed greater crimes without greater temptations. Of him to whom much is given, much shall be required. Those whom God has favored with superior faculties and made eminent for quickness of intuition, and accuracy of distinctions, will certainly be regarded as culpable in his eye, for defects and deviations, which in souls less enlightened, may be guiltless. But surely none can think without horror on that man's condition, who has been more wicked in proportion, as he had more means of excelling in virtue, and used the light imparted from heaven, only to embellish folly and shed lustre upon crimes. End of chapter twenty three. Recording by Pamela Nagami.